Hallelujah. Will everybody say it out loud with me? We are a prophetic community. And uh, last week I started this idea, we are a prophet community, and, and talked about the fact that uh, we, we uh, Jesus used that term, we're going to cross over to the other side. We talked about that. This today, we're going the, the little phrase underneath this, uh, it's called, we are designed for love. Everybody say, I'm designed for love. You may not have felt it, but God's actually designed you for love. Father, here's the two big deals that I know deeply. Father God knows you, and Father God loves you. Everybody say, yeah, amen. Jesus told his disciples that he would not leave them orphans, that he would come for them. And uh, so the goal of making disciples never changed. And uh, yeah, and so, and we will go over just a little bit today because we've got a late start. Is that okay? Uh, disciple of Jesus is one who freely receives the Father's love and responds to his presence, evidenced by other-centered love and action. This is my new definition for a disciple. It's not about changing behaviors, not about changing attitudes. That all happens secondarily when you respond to the Father's love. Are you hearing me? So as you and I receive by revelation the profound love that Father God has for us in Christ Jesus, we go through deep inner heart change and our hearts, because your heart and my heart have been preconditioned. We're preconditioned by our own sinful nature, by which we express our own free will. And God gave us a free will so he could choo we could choose him or not. And he risked everything that we would choose him. The second thing that we have going against us is the works of darkness that steal love and impart rejection. How many of you know that that's what good, the devil's really good at that? And the third thing is that we live in a hostile world environment because we live in a broken world and uh, that suffers the effects of the accumulated effect of humanity's sin. There's all that, that that's the world system, the devil and our own flesh are like our worst enemies. And in the midst of all this, Father God is making sons and daughters. That's why Jesus came to bring many sons to glory. I'm gonna put up a series of slides here. I wanna talk about this just for a minute. This, uh, the substance of the Father's love. So there's got about eight slides or six or eight slides. Look at very cl clearly with me about this. Let me pray. Father, I thank you right now that this impart to hearts, that the revelation of what I'm about to share would be seated deeply inside and that people would be transformed today, right here, right now, in the name of Jesus. Amen. The substance of Father God's love is the whole point of Christianity. Christianity is not about the message of his love or about the truth that he loves us. It's about receiving the Father's love itself. Merely understanding the concept of Father God's love for you will not change you. What will change you is the actual love of God being poured into your heart. It is not the adherence to the theological truth of it that will heal you and set you free. It is the substance of the Father's love that will do this. Living in the continuous experience of being loved by the Father is what sonship is. It is living in the continuous experience of being loved by the Father is what sonship is. Now listen to this. Love is stuff. Love is a substance. It is an emotional energy of the eternal 
substantiveness. It's like, it's nothing less than the substance of God's life. It is a substance which comes from God's heart and God's heart alone. No human being can give you the love of God. This love is resident in the very heart of God. And when he pours that love into your heart, real stuff goes into you. What, when that substance goes into you, you will experience being loved. It's not about believing that he loves you. It's about being loved by him. So, you know, I, I, I remember looking up when I wrote that song, Apple of His Eye, I remember that in the Bible there's two times where the Bible says uh, you're the apple of his eye. And I want us to take just a quick a peek here at Psalm 139, 13 through 16. It says, you formed my inward parts. Now this is, think of our Father God. Think of him saying this. I mean, him being the one that's responsible for this. Psalm 139, 13 says, You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance in your book, were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Now, I happened to click, I have a little app in my phone, and there was a little mark on the word book, and I clicked the word book in this, uh, it came to a cross-reference of Psalm 56, verse 8. Notice what Psalm 60, 56, verse 8 says, You have kept count of my tossings. And the word tossings also means wanderings. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Now, here's he's saying, I've written a book, and it's everything you need to know. It's everything that's going to happen to bring you to me. And by the way, you're going to be wandering around some, and you're going to be tossing to and fro, and I know that tears are going to happen, but I've got them in my book too. Wow. And I wrote it out this way. Father God keeps record of your woes, your heart pains, your broken places, and all your sufferings. You are his special child, whether you know him yet or not. Let's just praise the Lord. So believe it or not, God celebrates your birthday. Part of my healing came over my birthday. It was lost one time. I was having all these little friends over, you know, and I was about nine or so, and I was excited. I was so excited. I was so excited. I was happy, and I felt this incredible love. I felt so loved. I filled up this love. This love was so amazing inside of me, and I had friends that didn't know each other, and I was so excited that they knew each other. I didn't know why I was filled up with such love, and then my dad walked in, and he somehow found something to rebuke me. And I went into this deep embarrassment and all the joy of that moment was completely gone and I didn't like birthdays ever again. Until one day, Heather said, honey, how come you don't celebrate birthdays? And I said, I don't know. They're not important. Well, why? I don't know. Why don't you ask the Lord? And the Lord took me back to that day and this is what Jesus said to me. This is what Father God let me know. You know, all my references always say Jesus. But see, Jesus, perfect the, Jesus is perfect theology about Father God. So basically, Father God and Jesus whispered into my heart by the Holy Spirit. And he said, do you remember the love that you felt that day? And I didn't know him yet. I was nine. I didn't meet the Lord until I was 17. I didn't know him. 
He said, you remember the love, the power of that love you felt that day? And I, I went back to that memory. I, went, I remember before it was taken away, I remember the power of that love. And he said to me, that was my love for you that you were feeling on your birthday. He celebrates birthdays. There's more to that story, but the, that began a healing process inside of me. And uh, even Dr. Zeus has a poem, Happy Birthday to You. If we didn't have birthdays, you wouldn't be you. If you'd never been born, well then, what would you do? If you've never been born, well then, what would you be? You might be a fish or a toad in a tree. You might be a doorbell or three baked potatoes. You might be a bag full of hard green tomatoes. Or worse than all that, why, you might be a wasn't. A wasn't has no fun at all. No, he doesn't. A wasn't just isn't. He just isn't present. But you, you are you. And now, isn't that pleasant? Today, you are you. That's truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. Shout loud, I'm lucky to be what I am. Thank goodness I'm not just a clam or a ham or a dusty old jar of sour gooseberry jam. I am what I am. That's a great thing to be. If I say so myself, happy birthday to me. <laughs> your, your, your father's love is not based on your performance. It's not based on you trying to be something you're, you see, he's not comparing you to other people. He's not measuring you on the basis of your, of your achievements. He's not even weighing in your response to your love back. He just loves you, period. In fact, to say that Father God loves you is an understatement. He delights in you. He loves everything about you. He took great care in forming you and had great things in mind for you from the beginning of your existence. Can you hear the father say, this is my beloved son, this is my beloved daughter, in whom I'm well pleased. He is pleased because he has made you and he is pleased with the uniqueness of who you are. I'm going to throw a series of questions up here. Ask the father to show you specific things about you that he delights in. You can ask him some questions like these. Father, when you were forming me in my mother's womb, what dreams did you have for me? Father, what is something about me that puts a smile on your face? Father, when you look at my life, what are some things that you are proud of? Father, what is it about me that makes me unique and special? Father, what gifts did you put in me so I can share with those around me? Then you might all want to talk to him about the ways to accept yourself more fully. Father, are there some characteristics of myself that I have rejected? And Father, is, is there something that you want to tell me about myself that I haven't thanked you for? Now, if you respond to those questions and have a journal, he's going to talk to you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to let you know. So listen now. Look, let's take a look just for a quick minute and uncover some of the, uh, how Jesus dealt with the orphaned hearts in his disciples. Remember that people with orphaned hearts, everybody listen, people with orphaned hearts compare themselves to other people. 
because they're insecure. And people that, uh, they can't celebrate the success of somebody else because they're very easily um, envious. So a person with an orphan heart believes that he or she must fight for themselves because no one else will fight for them. And we see this in Jesus' disciples. So Jesus uh, is, here it is in Luke 9, so verse uh, 43, 48 says, I will, while, I, while they were all marveling, he'd done these miracles, and he says, while they were all marveling at what he was doing, he said, Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, listen to this, he goes, let these words sink in to your ears. The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. Then the very next thing, he says, they did not understand this, this saying. Watch this. It was concealed from them, so they might not perceive it. And they were afraid to ask him about this saying. Now Jesus suddenly throws an idea out there to prod some hearts. He knows they don't understand, but he's going to dig up something. And this is what he digs up. Next verse, an argument arose among them as to which was the greatest. But Jesus, knowing the reasoning of their hearts. Now get this, get this. See, orphans, see, Jesus says they're going to be delivered into the hands of somebody. So suddenly they go, he may not be here. Who's going to be the guy in charge? Suddenly they begin to play for who's, who's going to be the leader. Orphans don't trust Father God. They've got to fight for position. And he stirred this insecurity up to begin to work with it. Wow. Have you ever had him stir something in you? Have you been ended up a place where it's like you feel like this is exposed in your heart because you're not fully convinced of his love for you? Jesus did this with these guys. He hid the whole meaning from them, but he just planted a seed to get their hearts to open. So he, he, uh, reasoning with, he know, knowing the reasoning of their hearts, in other words, the, their orphan attitude rising up, he took a child and put them by, by his side, and he said, whoever receives this child receives me. Look at what he's doing. Now watch this. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me. He ties this child back to the father. This is amazing. This is brilliant. For he who is least among us, among you all, is the one who is great. He suddenly brings up an issue about their sense of insecurity and says the one who's going to be the greatest is going to be the one who's least because you know that the father has... And he's like, he plants a seed. He gets this thing moving. The moment Jesus implies that he will be in trouble at some time, the disciples argue about who will be in charge, who will run this group of orphans. So Jesus, now look, later on, Jesus points to the Father, and in John 17, 21, it says that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They're not there yet. But the whole point of Christianity is that you come to Christ, and now you end up in this circle of love with the Father and the Son. And there's this circle of love that's infinite. It's overflowing. God's love is always outgoing, and it's self-giving. It's amazing how it flows. And because God so loved the world that he gave. So he, he's not a taker, he's a giver. He overflows with giving all the time. And when you have the Father's heart and you have the Father's love, there's a sense of outgoing and overflowing love, self-giving love that begins to manifest. That's why Jesus says, I want you to be a disciple of mine because I live with the Father in this unity where there's always this overflow of love for people. Hello, isn't this amazing? So 
They don't really get it. Says, uh, you, uh, he says, we may be one just as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you've sent me. So here again, we have another uh, issue that rises, and it's that uh, he, he plants this seed there, but later it comes out again. It comes out again, and you'll be happy that this won't take very long. But this is really... Everybody so <gasps> Slow down, Pastor. You're going to make it just fine. Are you ready? So they're at the Last Supper. Jesus brings up the fact that he's going to be betrayed. And so this dispute about who will be regarded as the greatest comes up again in their orphan hearts. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined but woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. He brings us up and they begin to question one another. Which one uh, could it be that was going to do this? And verse 24, a dispute also rose among them as to which of them would be regarded as the greatest. It comes up again. It comes up again. So he talks about the kings of the Gentiles uh, exercise lordship over them and those in authority are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, that the greatest among you will be the youngest and the leader is the one who serves. And he goes through this uh, concept uh, and he talks about their assignment. I want to go right to this other part. He finishes this little impartation moment on what kingdom leadership looks like. And then right there, is when he turns and he says, Simon, Simon, I wonder why he was speaking to Simon. You probably know because Simon had walked on water. You know, he'd done some stuff. And so he might have been really contending, I'm going to be the leader of this group. It could have been him, right? Orphan heart, insecurity, fighting for position. And Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. This is the moment where he says, we're going to take all that orphanness out of you and we're going to make you a son. And you're going to know the Father. How many of you have been through a process somewhat to take away the things or you feel like you're forsaken and nobody's ever going to be there for you and all this stuff and it's all on me to make it all happen by myself that orphan hearted stuff that nobody's going to ever stand in the gap for you and be there for you and father god just forsaken because because my earthly dad's blah 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 and of course he goes through it and he denies that he even knows who jesus is he denies that he even knows who he is three times but later on, he writes, 1 Peter 5.10. This is Peter explaining how the whole thing works. This is Peter who's been sifted by the devil. This is Peter who actually went through the process and came out on the other side and realized that he was designed for love in the Father. And it wasn't about him running around trying to be what Jesus wanted him to be when he couldn't do it anyway. And he went through this upheaval in himself where he gave up because he couldn't fulfill what he even thought he was going to be able to do. He couldn't do it. How many of you realize I can't even walk with Jesus without Jesus? I can't even 
please the Father without the Father helping me please the Father. I, I just, if you've never gotten there, you're still full of the flesh. But when if this is broken down inside, you realize I can depend on someone other than myself. Hello. Come on, let's praise the Lord just for a moment. So he says, he writes, he writes, he says, hey, after you've suffered a little while, does anybody believe that Peter suffered a little while? So he knows what he's talking about, right? He knows. And I love this. He says, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Everybody say suffered. Here's the word suffered. The word suffered in the Greek, which means to experience a sensation or impression that's usually painful. You feel passion, feel or passion or suffer or feel vexed. And he says, back up to the verse again. I'll just say, he'll restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So he's, he's going to say these things. He says, after you've suffered a while, God's going to work in you because he's called you, but he's full of grace. And he's going to work in you in a way that's going to do at least these four things. He's going to restore, he's going to confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So the word restore is the Greek word that means to mend and to render fit and complete. Where you are broken, he's going to actually do a restoration. It's the word that Carter kids board. It means he's going to mend, like bending a net or resetting a bone. He's going to fix what was wrong inside of you. How many of you are like, yeah, sheesh. Jesus is a great physician and surgeries are available. He's going to fix it. He's going to mend and put you, render you fit and complete. That's restore. The word confirm is the Greek word which means to turn resolutely in a certain direction. To turn resolutely. How many of you have waffled and wavered and, and all this stuff? And he says, after this, your suffering, I'm going to actually do a work in you that not only restores you, but it actually causes you to turn resolutely. And you're going to be certain about the direction of your life. And you're not going to be waffling anymore. And I'm going to make you firm. And then the word strengthen in the Greek is to make strong in one's soul inside. And the word establish in the Greek means to lay a foundation and to make stable. So I put this down. So this is how I said, after the experience of pain, that suffering, Father God of all grace, who has called you into eternal glory with Christ Jesus, will mend you, rendering you completely fit by turning you resolutely in his direction, making you firm and strong in your soul, with a new foundation laid, founded upon him, so that you are stable. Now you know you're a child of God, child of Father God, designed for love. You go through these things, and he says, you were on the wrong foundation. You weren't rooted and grounded in love. But now you are. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. Lift up our praises to the Lord just a minute. Just lift your head. Would you do that? Lift your head to the Lord. Just pause for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I want to speak to every heart here. I'm just going to speak to your heart. Father God, I thank you for each heart in here. That each heart in here has been designed to know your love fully. And so I pray in the authority of the office that you've put me in as a representation of your fatherly love. By the authority of Jesus Christ, 
right now. There would be the power of your love imparted. Now, those of you receiving this right now, you're sensing something changing. You're sensing a shift inside of you. Just lift your heads. For the Lord is saying, I saw your sufferings. I wrote them down. I know fully every detail of every hurt and every pain of your life. And I've walked you through a season to make you stable like you've never been before. Like you've never been before. I'm causing you to know me and to open your eye, the eyes of your heart to see the depth of my love for you. And you will change. You're changing now by the authority of Father God's love. You're changing right now. Faith in Him is going in because you can trust His character. You can trust His love. The Lord is telling me right now that He has a longing for you. He says, I long for you. Would you respond to that longing in His heart with a longing back for Him? Give Him the satisfaction of your loving Him back with all that you are. Would you do that just right now? Just acknowledge before Him a longing. Meet His longing with your longing. Meet His desire for you with your desire for Him. Now something is happening in the room of a greater imparting work. You will be secure. You will be more secure than you have been. You will have a simple confidence that you weren't walking fully in because of the love. In the midst of your trial, in the midst of the sufferings, in the midst of the transition from one place to the next, He is now causing you to know Him as the way through. And you're going to know Him in a deeper way than you ever have. He's established this time for that to happen. Would you pray in the Spirit with me just for a moment? Spirit of the living God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There's some of you that are grandparents and the Lord is showing me that you're going to prophesy life to your grandchildren. That words of life from the Father are going to flow down through you and you're going to touch them and release things upon them. This is His will and desire. He wants his heart to manifest that way. There's others of you in the room that longings for relationship have been very big, very desirous, but the Lord is saying, me first. Let me do something first. Let me have your heart completely first. And as I have it first, you're going to be able to see what relationships would be best. Let the Lord do that. Let him establish that. Let him turn you resolutely into the direction that He has for you to make you firm. 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a stronghold coming down. I don't know how I know this, but there is a stronghold coming down. There is a stronghold coming down. There is a stronghold coming down. There is a stronghold where you're looking to something other than him is coming down right now. It's coming down. It's been in the way. Father God's taking it out. You just let him. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. Let him do it. There are things that we say to our hearts that may not be true. Father wants to have complete truth in the realm of your heart so that you walk no matter what season and what, what you're going through, you always stand in the fullness of his love for you as a delight to him and a joy to him and a pleasure to him all of the days of your life. Thank you, Lord. Let's praise him now. Just thank him. Thank you, Lord. 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 We seal this. We seal this. I thank you for the substance of your love that's manifest. I thank you for the change. I thank you for the reality of who you are in, in our midst. We give you praise. Amen.